Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. Well, this is now the uh, seventh week of bringing worship services to you online here from an almost empty sanctuary here at Maranatha. It's been a really strange time for us. I saw Peanut's cartoon the other day. Uh, Charlie Brown and Peppermint Patty are sitting under a tree, uh, leaning against it and talking to each other. And, and, and Peppermint Patty asks, So Chuck, what surprises you most about this coronavirus? And Chuck says this, It has done what no woman has been able to do. Cancel all sports, shut down all bars, and keep men at home. I'm going to have to add to that, uh, that that never in the 59 plus years of my life have I not gotten up on Sunday mornings and gone to a church building for so many weeks in a row. Most of you are aware we, we record this service on Saturdays. Um, and and um, so anyway, as a result, uh, I'm getting really used to dressing casual Sunday mornings. The last uh, couple weeks, one thing has been continually on my mind. And that is this question of when will we be able to gather again for worship here at Maranatha as a congregation. And um, Thursday, our, our governor had an answer. Not yet. It wasn't the answer I was hoping for. I, I would like to have had a definite date to start planning toward, and, and I, I am learning, I guess, to wait. And, and so are you. As Pastor Ryan already announced uh, next week, Weather permitting, though, we, we will plan on having a service here in a parking lot. And uh, though you're going to have to stay in your car with your windows closed, but if the Lord wills, uh, after a couple weeks we will be meeting back here in our sanctuary again. I, I mentioned that, oh, I mentioned what has been continually on my mind, and, and uh, I want to ask you about that word continually today. What does it mean? I looked it up and I found a couple of explanations. Uh, it said repeated frequently in the same way, and also said without interruption or constantly. Well, in the psalm that we're going to be looking at today, this word continually is what stuck out especially to me. Psalm 71 is a psalm of an old man looking back on his life with memories and thoughts just kind of swirling around in his head, and he looks back and he sees God's hand in his life from early on, and he looks at the present situation and considers God's involvement in that. And then he looks at the future and his relationship with God as he faces the unknown. We're not really sure of just who the author is of this psalm. Some have suggested very likely it's David and that he wrote it maybe as his last psalm in old age because the very next psalm, um, 72, is attributed to his son Solomon. I am guessing, though, as we go through this, there a number of senior citizens will find it to especially strike a chord with you as, as you've had a lot of time sitting around thinking about your life and, and being socially isolated this last month and a half. One senior citizen that I talked to uh, last week on the phone said that for excitement at his house, 
his wife and him switch chairs. I'm hoping it's more exciting than that at your house. But I invite you to look with me at Psalm 71. And notice especially that word continually coming up in here a few times. And I invite you to open your Bibles and, and follow along with it as we read from this psalm today. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be ashamed. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of habitation to which I may continually come. You have given commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the grasp of the wrongdoer and the ruthless man, for you are my hope. O Lord God, you are my confidence from my youth. By you I have been sustained from my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I have become a marvel to many, for you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all day long. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Do not forsake me when my strength fails. For my enemies have spoken against me, and those who watch for my life have consulted together, saying, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him, for there is no one to deliver. O God, do not be far from me. O my God, hasten to my help. Let those who are adversaries of my soul be ashamed and consumed. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor who seek to injure me. But as for me, I will hope continually and praise you yet more and more. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and of your salvation all day long. For I do not know the sum of them. I will come with the mighty deeds of the Lord God. I will make mention of your righteousness, yours alone. O God, you have taught me from my youth. And I still declare your wondrous deeds. And even when I'm old and gray, O God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to all who are to come. For your righteousness, O God, reaches to the heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you? You who have shown me many troubles and distresses will revive me again and will bring me up again from the depths of the earth. May you increase my greatness and turn to comfort me. And I will praise you with a harp, even your truth, O my God. To you I will sing praises with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you. And my soul, which you have redeemed, my tongue also will utter your righteousness all day long. For they are ashamed, for they are humiliated, who seek my hurt. Lord God, we thank you for this, your word, and we pray that as we meditate on this psalm, Lord, and, and perhaps reflect back on each of our lives and, and see your hand there. And as we look at our present situation, as we look to the future, Lord, encourage our spirits today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as the psalmist looks back on his life, he recognizes that his creator God has continually been a part of, of his life, and, and that makes him overflow with a continuous praise to God. And as he looks to the future, he recognizes his continuous dependence on God, and that even with bleak circumstances surrounding him, yet by looking to God, he will continually have hope. And thus the title of my sermon today, A Life of Continually Looking to God. And so let's start by looking back with the author of this psalm. And he's looking back and he's saying, well, first, in my past, you took me from the womb, and you sustained me since birth. And so stop and think with me for a minute about the miracle of birth. 
How is it that that baby can even live inside when it's all scrunched up there, I think especially of that last month? And then something triggers contractions in the mother and sends that maybe nine-pound baby down this tight birth canal and out into the world, and suddenly then it's breathing on its own. It's a miraculous thing, isn't it? Just ask the Tunnisons about that. Congratulations to Ryan and Liz. Uh, we rejoice with you in, in the birth of little Declan. Charles Spurgeon had this to say about childbirth, and I quote, he said, Holy women do well to bless God for, for his mercy to them in nature's perilous hour. Nature's perilous hour, I like that. But he goes on to say, But everyone who is born of woman has equal cause for thankfulness. And that is certainly true, isn't it? Anyone listening here today that is not born of a woman? Then we all have something to be amazed at, at the hand of God in our lives, even from the very start. And the psalmist, looking back then on his past, and later in the psalm goes on to talk about later in the life, and he says, you've taught me, and you have been my confidence from my youth. And he likely then was blessed to uh, grow up in a family where the things of God were important. And if that's the case for you too, then you too have been richly blessed. I know that I was, as I was blessed to have parents that read Bible stories to me from the time I was very young and taught me to pray on a daily basis. And the result for me, and for the psalmist as well, was that from a young age then, there was instilled in me a confidence in God. And so when difficulties came along, we were taught to pray about them and bring our burdens and our anxieties to God in prayer and ask for his help. And apparently for the psalmist, then, there, were, there were plenty of things like that in his life. He goes on to say in verse 20 here, you have shown me many troubles and distresses. And that phrase kind of makes me smile. It sums it up so well, doesn't it? Life has a lot of that, many troubles and distresses. And at times it seems like they just pile up one on top of another. Many troubles and distresses. Maybe you have a few of them going on in your life, even right now. When that is the case, what are we to do? As the hymn writer says, have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? What should we do? Take it to the Lord in prayer. And the psalmist apparently knows this and and has been the pattern in his life. And so he says, even in verse 1 here, in you I have taken refuge. Let me not be put to shame. Now, what does it mean to be put to shame or to be ashamed? It means to be disappointed in the end result of something that you have trusted in. So have you ever been put to shame? Maybe you really, for instance, thought that the Minnesota Twins were going to make it to the World Series last year. And they were doing so good, and, and, and you're just counting on them that year, and, and even told other people about that. And then they let you down. Well, the psalmist is saying here, Lord, don't let that type of thing happen with you, that I would be put to shame for trusting in you. But do you catch something else there, though? In what he's saying there, he says, Lord, let me never be put to shame. And you know what that means? That means it hasn't happened yet in his life. I'm reminded of that classic song that we've heard our Bible college choir or or gospel teams sing different times. He's never failed me yet. He's never failed me 
yet. And so the psalmist and you and I, if we know the Lord, we can look back on our lives and see God's hand from birth and then through our youth and then in various times of troubles and distresses and we were reminded that God has been a refuge for us and we haven't been ashamed. He's never failed us yet. We go on here in the psalm that I want to think about the psalmist's perspective on what's going on then in his life. My current concerns. And he's saying there, now I'm old and gray, but I'm a marvel to many because of you, God. Now, some of you listening here today, like me, are starting to show your age. And I didn't say that you're acting your age. That might be a different story for some of you. But, but you're showing your age. And I'm going to spare you the details, but trust me, you, you are. Well, the psalmist says, know that that's the case. He knows it's a case in his own life. And he's looking at verse 18 there. He's saying he's getting gray. In verse 9, his strength is waning. And yet he recognizes something else that has come with age. And there in verse 7, he says, I've become a marvel to many. And you know, for the Christian, that can be the same. I think of examples of, of dear old saints that I knew that have now left this earthly life who were a marvel to some of us because of what they had gone through in their life and their steadfast faith in God that just seemed to grow stronger even in the midst of those crises and trials. I think of uh, my grandpa Miller, sticks out as an example to me. He, he had lost three sons and, and two wives by the time his time on earth was done. And, and yet I can still hear in my mind his prayers always seem to start out the same with that Norwegian brogue as he said, Our Father in heaven, we thank thee. My mother doesn't have that Norwegian brogue, but she also is a great example to me of that steadfast faith. And I think of some old pastors I've known, like Trig V. Dolly, and uh, here, Pastor Rolf Hang, whose faith in the midst of, trial, of trials was a marvel to many of us. Well, older folks from our congregation, God's still keeping you around for a reason. You, like the psalmist in old age, are an example and you're a marvel to many as you point to the Lord with your life testimony. And the psalmist, as he looks at his current troubles, and he apparently has a few of them here, he says also this, that you are presently then, verse 5, you are my hope. Verse 7, you are my strong refuge. Verse 3, and so, Lord, then be now to me a rock of habitation to which I may continually come. And I love the picture that can put in our minds here. Whenever I need security, where can I go? I go to the rock that is higher than I. And how often can I go there? Well, continually, regularly, frequently, constantly. Do you get the picture? And as the psalmist considers his present trials and his old age setting in and his strength not being what it used to be, he prays this. He says, Lord, don't forsake me now when my strength fails. And you know, as I have spent time visiting older folks a lot in, those, in the last 30 years, I guess, as a pastor, I've become quite aware that, that with old age comes some tough adjustments in life. Physically, and also mentally. Feelings of becoming a has-been. You know, when you're raising your family, and, and then you have... Your kids need you, and 
your work needs you and your church needs you, and, and sometimes you get tired of being needed. But when you get old, sometimes you end up feeling like no one needs you. And I, I certainly feel for some of those in nursing homes these days in this time of this pandemic, as they may feel really cast off and, and no one can even come and visit them. Forsaken by almost everyone, it feels like. Well, the psalmist's prayer here is, Lord, when that time comes, when my strength is failing, don't forsake me. Even if everyone else was. Because, Lord, if you forsake me, then what will my enemies think? And what will they say? As you look at verse 9 and following there, follow the flow of that. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Do not forsake me when my strength fails for my enemies have spoken against me, and those who watch for my life have consulted together, saying, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him, for there is no one to deliver. And the psalmist says, O oh God, do not be far from me. O oh God, hasten to my help. Let those who are my adversaries of my soul be ashamed and consumed. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor who seek to injure me. And so he's praying here for rescue from his enemies. Rescue from our enemies, you might say. The psalmist recognizes that those that are against God are then also his enemies. Those who mock God and despise the idea of there being even somebody that's over them in their life will also mock him for his belief in such a thing as an almighty God. And so they are adversaries of his soul. And the psalmist is saying, well, let them be put to shame and ultimately consumed. I read this last week of a rather uh, humorous dilemma. Imagine this dilemma. The dilemma of an atheist who's at the stoplight and the light is green and the car in front of him says, honk if you love Jesus. He wouldn't really want to honk in support of loving Jesus, but he sure would like to get that car in front of him moving. What does he do? Well, one day, though he's going to face a far worse situation when he will stand before his maker and have to give an account. And God's word says that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And David says here in verse 13, let them be put to shame. Let's th let them be disappointed in the end result of what they have trusted in. And so now the psalmist has looked back on his life and he's seen God's hand. He's, he's looked at his present situation and he's asked God's help in it. And now as he looks to the future, in his old age, he realizes that his time here on earth, left, might be short. And so he's saying here, in whatever future I have left, here's some things. One, I'm, I'm going to hope in you continually. Verse 14, but as for me, I will hope continually. I, I've hoped in you in the past, and, and you've not disappointed. I'm going to continue to hope in you in the future. I'm going to praise you yet more and more. Verse 15, my soul will tell of your righteousness and of your salvation all day long, for I do not know the sum of them. I will come with the mighty deeds of the Lord God and make mention of your righteousness and yours alone. He's saying, verse 15, my mouth will tell of your righteousness and your salvation all day long. That, that's continually. The, the thing this old man wants to do more than anything with the time that he has left it is to tell others of God's goodness to him, God's righteousness, God's salvation. So man isn't bragging about his own righteousness and his own accomplishments. He knows he's a sinner, 
But God has been good to him in spite of that, and he has given him way better than he deserves. God has saved him. And friends listening here today, there is no more important thing in the world to deal with than to be ready for when your time comes to stand before your creator God and to give an account for your life. And the only way to be ready for that is to give up trying to justify yourself before a holy God and admit you're a sinner and, and receive then the gift that he offers you in Jesus Christ, his son, through his death on the cross, forgiveness of all of your sins. And if you will trust in Jesus, then he becomes your righteousness, your salvation. Just three other things I want to point out as we look toward the end of this psalm. The psalmist, as he looks to the future, is saying to the Lord, Lord, don't let me die before I've influenced the next generations and declared your strength and your power to them. You know that in old age, with those feelings of dispensability, comes this desire then to have had something in your life that has really been worthwhile. And what can have been more worthwhile than having pointed someone else to God and to your Savior, Jesus Christ? One of the things that this uh, coronavirus pandemic has brought on for most of us is a whole lot more family time. And, and I wouldn't doubt that for some of you, you've had way more family time than you had wanted. You might even be driving each other a bit nuts at home. Um, but make sure that you don't waste this pandemic by neglecting to enjoy that family time and, and, and neglecting to influence in those future generations by pointing them to God's strength and God's power in the midst of our weakness. Sitting around the table, take time to, sh to share some stories of, of God's provision for you in the past. And maybe you're doing some FaceTime or calling or texting your family that's away someplace else or your grandkids and so on. Let them know that the Lord's getting you through this one and that he's gotten you through so many other troubles in the past. The psalmist is confident of that. And, and he's praying then, Lord, you, you will revive me again as you've done in the past. And ultimately then, you will revive me even after I die. Verse 20, you have shown me many troubles and distresses, and you will revive me again, and will bring me up again from the depths of the earth. And he's saying, Lord, I am confident that you will be my resurrection and I won't be ashamed even in eternity. I will not be disappointed in the end result of what I trusted in. I think of a history professor in Jerusalem who, who says this about our modern world. He, he says that it has been shaped by the belief that humans can outsmart and defeat death. And he goes on to say that for most of history, humans have meekly submitted to death. And I think he has a valid point. This pandemic has certainly verified it as we have shut down most of the world and sheltered in place. And, and you know, that might be necessary for a time, but we cannot be scared to ever come out of our homes. This is not the first life-threatening disease, nor will it be the last. And we all need to be ready for that possibility that someday some fatal illness might strike us and we'll have to face death. I read this week of... You might say the ultimate ironic situation recently. Over in Kazakhstan, uh, a, a woman uh, fell 
from a cleft. She had been out hiking with a friend, actually in, in Turkey, and they'd been, this had followed weeks of um, shelter-in-place order in the city, and, and so they were celebrating their freedom. And she had climbed over a safety fence in the park and had posed for this image overlooking a cliff and then slipped on the grass and plummeted to her death. We all should stay away from cliffs, but we can't put off forever our time coming to breathe our last. However, we can be ready for it, and we need not fear it. Dr. David Jeremiah, this last week, told of of a little girl on a plane, and and the plane was encountering some significant turbulence, and and people were panicky, and some were saying, we're all going to die, and things like that, and this little girl just remained so calm. And somebody asked her afterwards about this. Well, why did you not seem worried? And she replied, because my daddy's the pilot, and he's taken me home. Isn't that the perspective of the psalmist and the perspective you and I can have in the midst of the turbulence in life? Secure that we know the one who's in charge. Secure in our relationship with him. Secure that when our time comes to leave this earth, and things are right with God. And, and confident then that even after I die, he will raise me from the grave to everlasting life. And, and so the psalmist's focus here at the end is this. I will praise you on this earth and through all eternity. Verse 19, For your righteousness, O God, reaches to the heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who's like you? And I will praise you He goes on to talk about with the harp and with the lyre and with shouts of joy and telling others of your righteousness all day long. That is continually, that is over and over, as long as I have breath. Let's pray. Oh Lord God, we thank you for this psalm and the reminder of your hand in our lives, even as the psalmist reflects on his own and how you have been there for us from the time of our birth and on. And Lord, thank you that for many of us, we have found you to be our refuge and our strength, a rock in the midst of the trials and troubles of life. And Lord, you know each one of us, you know the number of our days before we're even born. And we pray that you would help us, that we would live each day mindful of your work in our lives, willing to tell testimony of that to others. And Lord, if there be some who who aren't so sure of that relationship with you, I pray that even today you'd you'd draw their hearts to to see that they they have no ability to stand before you in their own righteousness because we are all sinners that have fallen short of your glory. But because of Jesus, there's forgiveness of sin and there's eternal life. And and so may they trust in him and rest in him and and know that... uh, We can have confidence no matter what we're going through in this life. And we can be ready for them. Our time comes to breathe our last. Knowing that for us who know and love Jesus, uh, there's prepared for us uh, a home in glory with you. We pray in, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.